0: everyone. Hello. So just a quick disclaimer for this episode. It is still technically clean according <laughs> to the Apple podcast guidelines, but we do discuss Sex at length because this a lot book because has it's,
1: a lot of it's it, there's very strong sexual a lot things. of things in it that we just can't get around. Um, so, so if, if you like you, listen to this with a kid yeah. or something, like maybe skip this one, yeah, yeah, maybe just skip it,
0: yeah. Um, we do in the end decide that this book is appropriate for people 12 ish and older, maybe. So I don't know, kind of go really, by that guideline, but but we do get into it more than the book does, so yes, <laughs> we'll say that up front,
1: yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, and uh, have fun. Hello. Hi. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline.
0: And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss whether maybe even better for adults. Yes. This week, Many Waters by Madeline Langle. I wanted um, to
1: like sing a little like doo, 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 doo. Prince of Egypt yes. style background exactly. music. A
0: lot of Prince of Egypt vibes. Oh totally, here for sure, totally. Um, so we are jumping a little bit out of order in covering the Time Quintet, but this book was technically it technically takes place before a Swiftly Tilting Planet, the mm-hmm. book that precedes it in the series. And we've always been of a mind that we can pick whatever we want, and what better series to do that with than? The Time Quintet, where everyone's tessering all over the place. Exactly. (laughs) We're doing this on purpose. So we have a lot to say. Um, We're going to do our best to stay on track during (laughs) this episode. Uh, And we'll just proceed with our usual segments and then see what kind of many waters we get into. Mm. So before we delve into the book, let's discuss the ways in which the publisher chose to package and promote our edition. For this copy, we do have our childhood edition with us still today. It even has this section at the back where I, this is the only mark I made in the book, even though I did a huge book report on it in fifth grade. And it's because I had to make a cartoon of a a passage and I picked the most action-packed passage.
1: Why? That's so difficult.
0: When the Nephilim are trying to overpower Sandy and Dennis. This cover is one of great import to us personally and to other listeners, we've learned. I had a wonderful email conversation with Heather. Sorry to out you like this, Heather. (laughs) (laughs) We both had weird childhood feelings about this cover because it features a realistic colored pencil drawing Mm -hmm. of shirtless Sandy and Dennis Mm -hmm. holding tools. (laughs) Yes.
1: I mean, it's basically like a hot picture for teen girls. It's like twin girls, I should say. Very funny. And my other
0: time quintet books are the beautiful hard covers that have these really mysterious watercolor paintings on the front. And then we have this. I mean, clearly they weren't purchased as a set and that's fine. And I thought it was a more adult book because it pictured two shirtless 15 year olds with Sandy blonde hair and blue <laughs> eyes
1: and an angel <laughs> looming over. Very, very Aryan looking young teenager boys on this cover. And we have
0: a partly finished arc in the distant background. Just to remind a remind you. And a And a Nephilim in snake form. Scary the snake, snake is yu right? I don't yeah. remember. And we're just gonna throw the pronunciation disclaimer out there yeah. right now even though madeline listened to the i did listen to the a lot of these audiobook. names are really difficult and they're
1: pulled from like the far i'm not gonna corners remember the distant mystic Nephilim's texts. names yeah. uh ugiel i know that one that's it right i'm pretty sure it's this the is only person i have ugiel 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 um and uh, on the back
0: we just have a close-up of the Ark and the Palm Trees to remind you, <laughs> like tear your attention away from the boys. This is what the story is this about. The story is about the Bible. The I I mean, it's one of the more the more loved oh God, I'm I'm already messing up, but the more loved cephilim. How do you pronounce their name? Seraphim Seraphim.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cephilim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and seraphim is a real word. I mean one that is better known <gasps> in the vernacular. Us. It's in yeah. vernacular. Right. Yeah. Nephilim is a weird term that shows up in the Bible twice. Oh wow. Once Grace, in the Grace Noah did that passage. Research. I did some research. We're gonna get into it. Anyway, the seraphim is wonderfully androgynous, yeah. has a feather coming out of their It's really part. funny. Yeah, and the part in their hair. A concerned eyebrow upturn that yeah. I'm pretty obsessed with. And then the golden wings
1: the seraphim, stretching out past I mean, the border. They assign them male pronouns, but that could just be like a thing because it's like a patriarchal a, society. Right, exactly. And I think like they seem pretty sexless.
0: And Where Madeline Langle was, I felt concerned with accurately representing what this biblical society would have been like, Mm -hmm. but then putting her own twist on it, but trying to set the patriarchal society in motion, it Mm -hmm. makes sense that
1: the seraphim and Nephilim would all have. Well, the Nephilim are definitely male because they're having babies they can with the impregnate women.
0: women yes and right? they're definitely
1: attracted to well unless, women. It, But it might kind of be like a say. magic thing like they might not actually never, be having sex right exactly it's all they're very sensual
0: and they don't feel very phallus driven to me
1: i don't know but it's true they are also kind of god i have so much to
0: say this <sighs> i also have to God, we'll get into this and all new impressions, but I feel like this must have been formative for my young pre-adolescent self in some oh, strange definitely, way. Definitely. Um, but I don't mean just like emotionally and in terms of literature, but maybe also sexually.
1: A hundred percent. This was probably the, I know it's, it, this is, say it a lot, but at the time that I read this, it was the raunchiest book I'd ever read. <laughs>
0: okay this is gonna be a wild episode about
1: breasts and nakedness and like sexy breasts yeah is referred to and like everyone is sexy Pretty, this is a very sexually charged book.
0: There's pretty open foreplay, mm-hmm. um, while there aren't actually any sex acts.
1: Yeah, this book really confused me about what sex actually was because they're like they talk about sex a lot, but they don't talk about like the birds and the bees, like mm-hmm. anything. It's just like constantly referred to, and I still didn't yeah, know how suffusing. the mechanics worked. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: confusing the society, but not with explicit scenes yeah right exactly yeah
1: there weren't any diagrams
0: anyway the reason we're getting into not all like this. you usually get in romance
1: <laughs> novels yeah you do get your bio- figure one biological penis. Diagrams.
0: <laughs> um so the reason we're getting into all this is because this cover is bringing it all to the surface and that's how you know it's a great cover <laughs> it is by jody lee so a lady made this jody Lee, yeah. yeah nice jody jody okay so before we keep going we will mention that we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover so if you haven't checked this one out in a while and after that introduction why wouldn't you want to just run off and read it and then come right back we'll be here
1: yeah it's on Scribd d too
0: it is yeah a service which we cannot manage to master the pronunciation of
1: <laughs> it's impossible why did they name it it's that? a cruel joke on <laughs> all of us that it's spelled
0: the way it is it's
1: Scrib with it, and then there's a D at the end. Yes, give, Ma- give us money.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did a really good job. We don't even know if we're pronouncing <laughs> it correctly. Madeline, would you like to give us a brief plot summary to I, I would propel our discussion. okay. so
1: these uh, are uh, the, no- <laughs> the normal kids of the Murray's. Um, murray clan uh it's big family of like charles wallace and meg are two of the other children the only other children and they are total brainiac wonks like they have magical science adventures and sandy and dennis are normies and uh, they're also like popular at school and you find out through like their conversations that they feel like they have to be that way so that they like don't get picked on or so they can like protect Charles Wallace and Meg. right? And, so they like, can
0: kind of be the anchor yeah. at school and in society yeah. for their much more intellectual and kind of uh,
1: skyward focused. Yeah. Kin. Yeah. And their mom and dad are like brilliant um, scientists, physicists, mathematicians. Um, like his mom has won the Nobel prize. Mm-hmm. He, they reference in this. Mm-hmm. Um, So anyways, they get home from school. They are around 15 years old. Apologies if we are wrong about the exact date. Around 15 years old. And they go into their father's workshop just because they're like booping around, poking around. Looking for cocoa. Looking for hot chocolate, which I respect. Pretend food is the impetus for the entire story. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to it later. And they mess with their dad's computer. Um, And bam! They're in the desert, uh, thousands in this book, thousands of years in the past. And, uh, uh it is a, I don't want to say primitive, but it is a biblical setting. Yes. Um, and the people are very small. Uh, I, it's.
0: It's not really grounded in any anthropological right. Time. That's why we struggling of. Yeah, they're mammoths. They're unicorns. They're small mammoths. I think that Madeline Langold chose to make the occupants of the oasis much smaller just to give an immediate tell that they were far, far, far back in the past. Okay, but okay. but also on Earth or some but Earth-like like setting. Like pygmy people, and
1: I thought like weren't our well ancestors- they're four feet tall is what they kind of cite as the average height. Okay, so that's taller than I was imagining. Dennis and Sandy freak out, and they don't know what's going on, and then they immediately get incredibly sick because they're in the desert, and it's hot, and uh, they get sunstroke because the sun is terrible. And uh, one of them <laughs> gets taken to a tent. <laughs> the
0: other one accidentally... Sandy is the one who is not thrown into the garbage pit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two okay, we also need to say Madeline Langle writes some of the most unbelievable characters I've ever read. Sandy and Dennis are the same person. They're the same. They're interchangeable. At one point, Dennis says that Sandy is the doer and he's the thinker. And I'm like, like, well, no, he's not. I have no inkling of that from the text. Yeah. yeah. So we're probably going to mix up which one was doing what.
1: Yeah. So Sandy is lucky because he lands in the tent of Noah's father. Um, whose name is Grandfather Lameck? Lameck, and uh, he gets nursed back to health by this old man. And like along the way, he kind of like figures out that he's in the old time of Noah's Ark. And uh, wait, cut to Dennis lands in a it's less so nice hard for place. me to pronounce
0: his name as Dennis instead of Denny's, which is <laughs> how I grew up pronouncing his name, Denny's. And also Heather in her email mentioned that she did the
1: same thing. So shout out. Uh, Okay. Denny's goes, he gets popped into a a tent full of people who are a lot less nice than Noah and his family. Um, And he's attached to a unicorn, which in this can phase in and out of being. And he got taken by the unicorn and then they pop up in that tent. Um, The only reason. Because a tiny mammoth called the unicorn. Because a tiny mammoth called the unicorn. Um, and Sandy and Dennis can uh, like interact with unicorns and also call them because they are virgins, which is necessary. Um, and
0: I thought an interesting twist on all the maidens that are the only ones who allowed to, are allowed to touch unicorns. I like that Sandy and Dennis's virginity is brought up again and again and again.
1: I mean, I thought maiden's just a term for like virgin. You mean like explicitly having it be? It's a always a beautiful female. woman, and okay. I feel like
0: Sandy and Dennis took on a very kind of feminine feel throughout this book because they're like the stable, gentle, caring ones. We'll talk more about that, later. okay?
1: Um, and the people in the tent where he lands are terrible. They don't know what's going on with him, and then they throw him into a horrible, disgusting, like just garbage and feces filled hole. Uh, he Dennis crawls out and like is just flopping around dying. <laughs> and he eventually gets uh, to Noah. He's he gets to Noah's dad, who is grandfather Lamech's son. And uh, so Dennis is getting healed by them because he is, you've also changed your <laughs> pronunciation of his name slightly. It's Denise. <laughs> it's Denise.
0: Not Dennis. not quite Denise.
1: Denise. He, uh, he's really way more messed up than Sandy because he got thrown out a garbage hole <laughs> and then rubbed his body rubbed all over the sand. Yeah. Um, so he's not doing great. He's like dying basically, but they nurse him back to health. Um, he and both Dennis and Sandy both meet Yalith, who is another important character in this story. She is the daughter of Noah. And she's around. She's amazing and perfect and beautiful and caring and wise and childlike. And both Sandy and Dennis fall in love with her. But she's she's just, like, around. And uh, she can communicate. Like, she's very earthy. Like, she can speak to the earth and the stars and stuff in, like, a spiritual way. Uh, there's also... Oh, Holy Obama, is another important character. Wow, what a name. It's so good. I, every time I heard it, I couldn't help but think Holy Obama. And she is probably the daughter of a Nephilim. Uh, I forgot. A Nephil. I forgot to mention there are Seraphim hanging around. They're angels. And then Nephilim, who are devils. And they're kind of like at odds. And God is in the mix. His name is El. And he's mysterious and puzzling <laughs> uh he gives ephemeral ephemeral you never actually like you don't interact with him in the book no. he talks to Noah and um grandfather Lamech grandfather Lamech and, and even
0: they say that he the that, that L
1: is more of a voice than a presence at this point right and he he wants to, turns out that he doesn't like humans anymore and he wants to just grenade respawn or maybe just grenade. And uh, then he decides right before grandfather Lamech dies to uh, save Noah and his family on an ark, And he's going to save some animals too. You know the story. Grandfather Lamech and Noah also reconcile before grandfather I was, that's Lamech. That's the next part. I'm sorry, doing sorry. pieces.
0: I'm sorry. You're doing great. Thank you.
1: So, Sandy is with grandfather Lamech and he's like, why are you fighting with your son? And grandfather Lamech says it's because he's a stubborn jerk. And Dennis says to Noah, why are you fighting with your father? And Noah says it's because he's a stubborn jerk. So looks like this is the Madeline edition (laughs) of the Bible. (laughs) Looks like this situation is rife for conflict resolution. Sandy and Dennis get them, get them back together. They hug, they cry, they drink wine and then grab It's th- kind of like a parent trap situation because Sandy and Dennis are trying to get back to each other. <laughs> <laughs> also it's throughout very the process. true, Yeah. Cause they're in different tents. Yeah. Um, but they get them back together and a lot of ado is made about that. Um, they both fall in love with Yalith and she falls in love with both of them. Um, because they're the same person because they're the same person tigla who was in the tent uh that threw dennis out into the trash pit uh is not uh, she's she's not in love with either of them but she like desires them because they're different and she is seeing a Nephil who can impregnate women in this world and they do, but then the babies that the women have are have like big old heads, and they're oh my god! <laughs> okay, mom, I know you're listening. If you ever wonder,
0: part of why I'm not interested in having children is this is the scene in this scene? book which I read when I was ten years old. Okay,
1: got. Oh, it's so awful. It's lasts so, so three days. So awful, yeah. And then, like, it completely rips her. Like, it, it all but says, like, fourth degree perennial tear. Oh, <laughs> oh, the phrase "ripping flesh." Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but she has a baby, and uh, the nephil comes, Mala. and he's Mala, and the nephil comes that she's been seeing. Like, they didn't get married, so their parents are not into this situation. Well, they
0: didn't get married in the. Uh, human marriage tradition. Right. They did In the they have a tradition. Nephil wedding.
1: Yeah, but, like, the Nephil doesn't seem that into her. Like, he's much more into the baby. Yeah, he wants to have a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a bummer. Uh, okay, so, at this point, Grandfather Lamech dies. Elle says to Noah, build a boat, gotta build a boat, gonna flood the earth, gonna kill everybody, except for you, your family members that are married... And the kids and your, and your wife and two animals of every kind. So implicit in that is the fact that everybody else is going to get got. And um, I don't know. They don't seem that bad. <laughs> like, like We'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, it's important to talk about. Yes. Um, so Noah's building the boat. Everyone's making fun of him. They're being like, you are stupid. We live in the desert and you are building a giant boat. And Sandy and Dennis help. Um, Tigla is still trying to get uh, Sandy and Dennis to I don't know have, have sex with her she's trying to seduce them because she wants to find out for the Nephilim, who have put her up to it, why they're there. And Sandy and Dennis told the Nephilim, they were like, we, it was an accident. We're not, we're not here on purpose. We're not trying to mess with your
0: stuff. Because the Nephilim are picking up on these apocalyptic signs, and their powers are decreasing, and they think that those are tied to yeah. Sandy and Dennis's yeah. appearance. Yes.
1: Uh, so Sandy and Dennis, building the boat, building the boat. Uh, boat is almost ready, and then Yalith, quote unquote, walks with Elle and is no more because everyone's all freaking out because she's not married. She doesn't have children and they're like, oh no, Elle says she can't come and neither can Sandy and Dennis, so they're all going to die. But Yaelith just gets, she, she turns into seafoam uh, and-
0: In the sky and, with the stars. Yeah,
1: goes to be with, with the Aria. stars. <laughs> um, and Sandy and Dennis convince- the seraphim to get unicorn to help them get back home. Right. The seraphim
0: are going to travel to their time and home. Mm -hmm. And before that, Sandy and Dennis have gotten onto unicorns and then the unicorns go out. Mm -hmm. So they cease to exist. And then the seraphim call the unicorns to the time and place where they are, thus bringing Sandy and Dennis home.
1: Yeah. And then the mom comes home. Because quantum physics. Yes. And then they're home. Their mom comes home. She says, why are your dad's workshop? They say, hot cocoa. And well, then it's she, her workshop. And then it's his experiment. Okay. My apologies. Her workshop, his experiment. Why doesn't he get his own? Stop messing with hers. Because he's always traveling. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about the Murrays for a long time. Okay. Uh, uh, and ahead. then she's like, go put shoes on. You'll catch your cold. And then they go put shoes on. And this they are not sunburned anymore either. Their skin is magically healed. Because the seraphim Take it away. And now they can go get their driver's licenses.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted <laughs> to
1: say. Just in case you thought maybe Sandy
0: and Dennis broadened their horizons. Yeah. Change priorities during this book. God, the last lines are, well, as soon as we have our birthdays, we can get our driver's licenses. And
1: about time. Now let's make that go, <laughs> I wonder if I wondered if they were being like, then we can have all that sex. <laughs> because <laughs> then we'll have our driver's license. Because it was very well documented
0: that we didn't have sex in this book, even though we had about a billion opportunities. <laughs> so many movies. <laughs> Thank you so much. This may be our longest plot summary yet, but I feel that every moment of it was necessary yeah, I was really Seriously. trying to just
1: like hit the hit the salient point you did a great job <laughs> thank you grace
0: so let's discuss our old and new impressions of the book
1: so when I was a little girl like I said earlier if it doesn't get cut out this was the most raunchy book I'd ever read when I read it which means ugh, hell that could mean I read it when I was nine or I read it when I was t- 13 <laughs> Yeah. Also,
0: I have to say in terms of. It's not as explicit, I would say, as the as book four in the Immortals series, Tamara Pierce's books. uh, I didn't read that until
1: I was older, though.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was
1: just thinking about timing. I read this when I was really young. Yeah, I read this. I read this younger than Tamara Pierce. It's unrealistic to say that I was 13 when I read it. I was Mm -hmm. probably like nine or 10. And I probably read it because I found it in Grace's room and I was it was always fine to read Grace's books because Grace was like, yeah, spread the knowledge and it's not like her clothes where I would take them and wear them and, you know, bad things would happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, rather, books stayed in the home. So, uh, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I read this book and I was confounded by it, but not in a way that I was like unhappy confused, more yeah. just like, Wowee! What a trip! Exactly, it has a
0: real fun trippiness to yeah. it. I think for children and adults.
1: Yeah, it was it was trippy, but I was I didn't know what that meant. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have the words to explain it. Um,
0: and had you read the novels
1: that precede it in the Time Quintet, or probably not? This okay. was probably I like before well, Wrinkle in Time. I read even? Wrinkle in Time. Okay. Early on, so I had read that one, but that this one has like so little to do with that book. Totally, I'm asking
0: because um a wind in the door and a swiftly tilting planet
1: are themselves pretty conceptual and trippy. I don't in think I read either of those okay. when as a child, so it fascinated me, and I definitely read it more than once, especially because there were these like raunchy bits in it, and I read it when I was too young. To understand what I was reading about. So a ton of stuff just went completely mm. over my head. Yeah. Um, like, I remember the one part where Mala is saying that, like, the Nephil had covered her in kisses and said mm-hmm. to wait there while he got his kin. Oh, yeah. Lays her on the rock, covers her
0: body in kisses, mm-hmm. is the line, and then goes to get all his family. Yeah,
1: that's intense stuff. Yeah, I remember just be like being <laughs> really, dilly, like old. like... Oh, what what is this?
0: Oh God, I wish I had a little video of your face doing
1: that. Oh.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's very um i'm getting very like strong tina belcher vibes oh from both my of gosh right totally. now totally tina would
1: love this totally book. <laughs> she would love it Look, just look at the cover that has tina all over it yes. she would put that poster in there's her a room butt. <laughs> oh there's totally a butt yep yep okay um so yeah things like that uh the baby thing was horrifying and it led me to believe that childbirth is Always horrifying Um, which I mean I don't know I'm never a birthday child so take that or leave that for what it's worth Um, and uh, also I was like pretty religious when I was a little kid so I also took this as like an honest uh, telling of the quote unquote real Noah story Mm, wow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my
0: god, that's amazing! Yeah. Like children's Bible style, yeah, like telling yeah. it out, getting the characters because we funny had a lot beards. of like picture Bibles and mm-hmm. stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, and I and I had flipped through some of, like in, in particular, I had one that was very brutal. Mm-hmm. It was a oh, it was an illustrated Bible, and it literally had like those like lines drawn yeah. to show like she is driving a stake through his septum. <laughs> 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 like it's really realistic illustrations yes, too, right? They were horrible. The same one, yeah, <laughs> or like bleeding the sheep for sacrifice, like stuff like that. So I was, just so this. I mean, was the Bible like, itself
0: is has got way more explicit
1: stuff in it than yeah, anything it's in really this book brutal. even gets close to. Yeah, I remember um the movie Samson and Delilah was on once, and I. Mm. I put it on when I was channel surfing. I was a child and my dad was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I was like, it's from the Bible. I can watch it.
0: <laughs> oh, Samson and Delilah is such a sexy story too. I, I feel, feel like yeah, and little I feel like Madeline <laughs> was very
1: drawn to these specific yes, Bible passages. Because there's yeah. a lot of really sexy stuff in the Bible. <laughs> it doesn't get talked about in that way. But I loved that picture Bible I had because there was some like, really sexy stuff in there like a lot of side boob <laughs> so many boobs <moves. laughs> well we've definitely never said side
0: boob on the podcast before <laughs> we're That's- officially a new frontier
1: <laughs> so should i provide some of my own yes. old impressions yes because and i one feel his voice
0: she'd like to Discuss her new impressions after I go.
1: And I feel more ready to discuss my new impressions okay. now because that was helpful for me to unpack. And in particular, Good. realizing that I thought that this was a true telling of a Bible yeah. story as a child helps me understand why I felt kind of angry with it yeah. when I read it this time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can totally understand
1: that. That that context makes more sense. Yeah. Okay, you go. And then I'll give my new impressions. Okay. Sandwich.
0: Okay, so I've mentioned this previously but at my school in fifth grade we had a project that spanned several months and it was essentially a <laughs> massive
1: book report and so did you do it just on this book just or this book did it, so you did a different book report on the one with the gray alien that, that I that was played. a different report yeah and we've already talked about that in a prior podcast yeah check
0: out our um we discussed that in our "Wind in the Door" episode, so check that out if you're interested. It's um, good stuff, right? I did that in sixth grade. I did this in fifth grade, so this is my um, preeminent work on metal and language criticism. And this report, it involved creating a variety of different um, pieces of criticism in different mediums, so and different kind of activities and discussions and approaches really like taking the book apart, but also doing some fun, artistic, creative stuff. But then also more to report things like make a vocabulary list from the book. Um, and I still remember some of the words in my vocabulary list. What was thing. your
1: vocabulary list like?
0: Um, awful, like O-F-F-A-L, <laughs> was on my vocabulary list. Oh my God. Um, afterbirth was on my vocabulary list. And... The crux of the, the funniness of the story here is that for this project, we were given a list of books that we could cover or we could pick our own. And I had been reading the time. Quintet. You said,
1: nah, I'm not I mean, doing I, that. Yeah. I was like,
0: well, I, w- I want to read this next book about the Murray's anyway. And I read them out of order. I didn't read a swiftly tilting planet before I read this. Um, and so yeah, it was like, yeah, many Waters, Madeline Langle. And I'm sure my teacher was like, oh, Madeline Langle, where right you yeah. on time. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Go for it. Um, but I don't think my teacher had read this book. And <laughs> you're in public school, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I it really opened some new worlds up for me, especially doing a close reading of this entire book when you're that age, like I said to Madeline when I first started rereading it, because it's been now long time. Twenty years. I there are still entire passages that like if someone put a knife to my throat and said, recite something from many waters, I would be fine. Like I could probably (laughs) get through it line by line. Um because yeah, I just poured over it and Grace, learned from this literature? I mean, I did. It's it's such a fascinating synthesis of a lot of different things that I was interested in at the time. Mm. Um, so one... You already mentioned we were pretty religious when we mm-hmm. were kids, yeah. and anything that was a Bible retelling or like biblically inspired was very exciting to me because it felt like that was something that I had
1: some background knowledge in, and because it's like all adult content too. So it like yes. you, I already said this, and I'm really just going to hammer this point <laughs> home. But like, it's a draw for you when you're a kid yeah. and you have no exposure to that stuff. You yeah, know?
0: especially. I mean, do any other like YA specific Bible retellings exist? I'm sure there are some. I'm sure there are. Uh, I have but no But not that I, I have read. I have no idea. Um, so this is in a kind of not fascinating like territory. And there's nothing like this. Madeline not not Langle is, is wholly unique. Um, and this book is basically like her little exploration through Sandy and Dennis. Of, like, a way to place her really complex, fascinating themes, like kiving and tessering and kairos, her concept of like everything happening at the right time for it to be happening, um, in like an action adventure story, yeah, and like just putting it in this weird vacuum and seeing what happens, um. Yeah, I'm kind of getting into new impressions now, but
1: that's okay. You're you go for it.
0: I think that I understand the subtleties of this book a lot better now. Of course, Um, I don't think I totally got the point when I was a kid. I read this. I mean, this is basically our thesis for our entire podcast at this point. Just like taking things at face value and then going back and being like, "Hey, there are actually some complex themes at work here." But I also have oh, oh. to say, the saddest part of my new impressions is like this book is not as good as I thought this book was. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. It's still a book written by Madeline Langle mm-hmm. Um yeah. It still has really glorious, beautiful passages. Um, yeah, the writing's just that. Incredible. That I think are still valuable, and now I realize that. Yalith, I feel, is actually the protagonist of the book. I feel Mm -hmm. like Sandy and Dennis are just these kind of weird bystanders because what do they do when they're in this incredible place and incredible time and everything is new and different for them and there's manticores and griffins and unicorns and seraphim and nephilim? They garden. They do the same thing that they're doing (sighs) at home.
1: Such bummers. (laughs) Such bummers, dude.
0: And something that I know now that I didn't really connect when I was young, because I wasn't really putting this in the context of the rest of the time quintet. but A Swiftly Tilting Planet, which is the final book to really feature Sandy and Dennis in any capacity, because they they really got shafted by the series (laughs) for reasons that this book shows. Because they suck. They are in school to become a lawyer and a doctor. They're in law school and medical school. And they're also shown to be like the same sort of people, the same skeptics, the same non-unicorn believers that they were in the previous books. So this is like kind of a bit of retconning for Sandy yeah. and Dennis. Anyway, they're said to be more involved with the spiritual side of the physics that their whole family is so deeply involved in. Um and so this book is kind of setting them up for that. But I actually don't think I mean the yeah, the worst parts of these this book are about Sandy and Dennis, are like featuring them <laughs> squarely in the center. And it's yeah. actually better that they're not together for most of the book. Yeah, because they're even worse. Because when they're, they're together. together their conversations are like, oh my god Shut
1: <laughs> up. <laughs>
0: and i I do think that there are so there are some good moments to their conversations together because they can provide us with context mm-hmm. for the their understanding of the present of their modern present compared to this time and so I did
1: think it was really funny that they kept being like, "You're a terrorist <laughs> this <is> really funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I Which mean, it what, weird. <laughs> what year would you think this book was written in?
1: I thought it was written more recently. It was actually written in like the 80s, right? Yeah, 86. Yeah. Was, was there like, like a, you know, a big terror attack that had just happened or something? I don't know. I was, there must have. I was I, a negative one. I don't know. Um, yeah, I apologize.
0: <clears throat> I thought that what they said that was the most interesting was them saying like, well... I feel like society today is in the exact same place. And also there's a hey, constant there's threat of bad of, people
1: and there's plenty of good people. And
0: like, how is the threat of nuclear war different from a, you know, God sent flood? Like it's the same result, but <laughs> this is, this is where I'm saying like, this is what Madeline Lingle does is she explores religion through science like that is her entire thing and that's what she's compelled by and um, I thought that looking at how she did that in this book I could see it much more clearly than when I was a kid so yeah that was that and Yalith being a really awesome character Mm. um, were my biggest new takeaways but I want to
1: hear yours interesting because i didn't dislike her but i actually was kind of annoyed by Yalith. Mm-hmm. um because she's like so good and pure and perfect um i just i didn't love any of the women characters in this book i think tigla
0: is a disaster tigla
1: is a disaster <laughs> tigla is a
0: disaster <laughs> oh yeah. my god yeah. uh, She's, like, a character from a really old, like, Disney movie or something.
1: Yeah, or, like, yeah, like, old. She's just, like, a whore. Like, that's her whole deal.
0: Yeah, and it's not even... So there's, like, some thorny parts of this book where I feel like there could be an argument being put forth that, like, sex for pleasure is okay, and if you want to do it, you should do it. But in the end, everyone who is interested in pleasure over staying close to L is going to be exterminated. Right. But so that, but then there are also discussions and moments like especially between like the Seraphim and Mala when she's talking to them about getting married to a Nephil and like between the Nephilim and Seraphim too mm-hmm. that are more complex than that. I mean I feel like I feel like Madeline Langle got a little trapped by retelling the flood story because it has to end one way and the thing that i thought was interesting was that she didn't make it so apocalyptic the way it is in the bible where it explicitly says like all other living beings will be exterminated right like we have such a focus on the oasis and it feels like the entire world and no one in the oasis even talks about what life is like Mm -hmm. on the other side of the desert like they mention a across the mountains right, at one point on the but, other side
1: of the mountain. Yeah. But they yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah. So no, I mean, well, are you finished with yours? I can do mine. Uh, mine.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Please. Part. I kind of interrupted you. Go ahead.
1: No, it's okay. I probably the, the hardest things I had with this book or I, I mean, I understood by the end that, that no, this isn't supposed to be taken as a like, and that's how it actually happened. Yeah. Um, like, of course not. So, I, understand I mean there's that. magic and, right well but religion has a lot of magic
0: but it has mythical creatures that
1: that are not in the Bible are not That's in true. the Bible
0: yeah there are like there are mentions of like combined body creatures like griffins and manticores mm-hmm. um in uh, Revelations, but that's about the apocalypse. So it's like all the fantastical Mm -hmm. things that will happen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's it.
1: Well, and I have. It's not and tiny
0: mammoths, which don't make sense on any level, but But they're super fun.
1: So cute. (laughs) Um. And the gender dynamics really bummed me out. I mean, I understand that it's like this early patriarchal society, but I. Oof. I just, I don't even know how to unpack it. It it just really bothered me. And, like, again, the Yalith is, like, so pure, so amazing, so wonderful. And she mm-hmm. literally just, like, gets taken by God to be with him. I don't know. I just, uh, I felt like it, it just had really weird messages about sex and, like, being good and I was confused by what the lesson was supposed to be.
0: I don't think there is any one lesson, and that's not really what Madeline Langle's books
1: are normally like. It's it probably doesn't help that I this Wrinkle in Time and A Win in the Door are the only Madeline Langle books I've read. That's probably hurting me a lot here. Yeah,
0: I think so. For me, the because most, I don't
1: have as strong a grounding in like yeah. her voice.
0: For sure. And I think also not to kill you out, but you have a strong bias against monotheistic
1: religions. No, no, I mean Um, that is true. Like I definitely have, like growing up, like raised Catholic, being Christian, um, and
0: I have some of that too, for
1: sure. And I have, I have, I know that I have bias against um, like that kind of setting just because of my own experience with it.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: No, and and I get that, Mm -hmm. and I share that. Um, And it's that is also probably hurting me with this book. Like if it were, if you swapped out all the names for like Norse gods or something, Mm -hmm. I'd probably have like a a different feeling about it.
0: Right? Yeah, that's a really interesting thought experiment, actually. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, I think of L in this book as like a side character l and is like not barely even there, there other than
1: just having this awesome power and instead of helping the people that this power helped to create just decides to kill all of them
0: and if you think about it Yalith doesn't talk to l but Yalith can hear the stars and is connected on like this galaxy level to her existence mm-hmm. and that is and the the discussion of like love being the language that's flowing through the stars and like love being the force that's keeping everything moving and like fighting entropy. Like mm-hmm. Sandy is mentioning at one point, that's really Madeline Langle's thesis. It always comes down to like, that's how they're able to kithe with each other. Mm-hmm. That's how in a swiftly tilting planet, um, Charles Wallace is actually trying to avert a nuclear apocalypse mm-hmm. by fighting his, like parallel cells that live in other versions of their world, mm-hmm. um, and it's always—it sounds so like simple and kind of reductive when you say it, but it's always that like unknowable, impossible love that keeps everything mm-hmm. moving forward in a quote-unquote good direction, but prevents like total mass destruction, mm-hmm. um, and. I felt like it was those moments, the moments like out in the desert at night when they're communicating with the stars and dancing and things like that. That was like the real religion in the book for me. Um, so it doesn't feel like it is being uh, boiled down to that like patriarchal biblical story, but it's bringing in Madeline Langle's concepts that she explores in other books. Yeah. So I think that it sounds like it is probably tough to go into this without having read more of her work
1: yeah and for the uh, mentioned reasons like Mm -hmm. i just had a bit of a tough time with those elements and
0: i also i totally understand what you're saying about the patriarchal society and women's role in it but i i actually appreciated that i felt like madeline lingle tried to do something that was like taking a realistic look at what women's lives would Be like in this time,
1: but this time didn't exist, right? It's not anthropological, but it's a story
0: that's really important to a lot of people. Like, it's something that is, if you think about the Bible stories that are so no, like well known, this is definitely at the top of the list.
1: Because I, yeah, I I hear what you're saying, but then I'm like, okay, so it is supposed to be like in some sort of informative, like. Hypothetical telling of this like biblical story.
0: That's that's not what I'm saying though. I'm just saying a different approach to it because I feel like the I feel like Madeline Lingle's idea to make this came from looking at that Bible passage and saying, "Well, this is messed up. It mentions
1: Noah, his sons, and their wives." And they do point out in the book that like there are no women's names,
0: right? Exactly in the Bible. Um, and also. What about, like, Noah probably had daughters at that time. Mm -hmm. Everyone was having a lot of children. It would be really impressive if they were all sons. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's how the character of Yalith came into being. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like through that, it was an exploration of the women's stories. Mm -hmm. Because there's literally a line at the end where Sandy's like, yeah, I mean this is we're in a chauvinistic story mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't have to be that way so it's like a kind of meta moment of like but this is trying not to be chauvinistic mm-hmm. and I I totally understand what you're saying about y'all is too being like the perfect virginal sacrifice to God yeah. but I don't know I didn't I didn't read her that way mm. I, she felt like a real character to me. I mean, especially because well, I we didn't think
1: she wasn't like she's a she wasn't a bad character. She just pissed me off because we see her considering all her options too. Like she maybe it's part of the way the the narrator read her because she read her as like I only oh, listened to like, a little of the audiobook. Oh so. my goodness! <laughs> like, oh maybe she's definitely like maybe I should quite marry proper. a Nefel. Like, it's a great honor. Like, that was kind kind of this breathy, like... Because she uses the same type of language
0: as all the other characters. So, yeah, if she's making her voice sound markedly... I don't know. I mean, I still...
1: I still... Like, these are the things that I've felt about the book, so... Yeah.
0: No, I'm not trying to dissuade you of any of them. I'm just explaining my perspective. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And we usually agree on everything. I know, so So this is
1: weird. I don't (laughs) don't like it. I don't like it.
0: Um, Yeah, so I also want to talk about something you mentioned about, like, is this place evil enough to be destroyed?
1: (laughs) My (laughs) thesis that I texted to Grace was God is a jerk in this story. He's a, like, clumsy, ham-fisted, uncaring, selfish jerk.
0: And that's where I feel like this was also part of what Madeline Lingo was trying to do was create like a subtler sort of flood story because yeah, things aren't catastrophically bad. And in the Bible passage, um in Genesis.
1: Wow, we're getting real biblical got with this.
0: It. Um
1: Genesis me.
0: So it says now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. It's it's a real focus on violence, <laughs> as you can hear, and yet there's not that much violence in this book. The evils that I can count are, like, I guess excessive sex, but it doesn't even seem that seem not excessive to me. Like people are getting married <laughs> to the people that they're hooking up with. Um, <laughs> they seem pretty <laughs> devoted. I don't know. Uh, and then disrespecting elders. Um, I think the darkest moment is probably the story about the elder being put out in the desert to be eaten by vultures while still alive. Um, but then beyond that, I mean, the Nephilim themselves seem to be like the corruption. They're the corrupting
1: force, and and like they're kind of slick and like a little skeevy, but they don't seem like big evil. <laughs> I mean, and
0: I think that's I think that's intentional too because so Nephilim like as they exist in this book, Metal and Lingle pretty much made up um, because there's a lot of discussion of what they might be. They're mentioned in really vague ways. Mm. Um, And it's also in that same Genesis passage about Noah that they're mentioned. It just says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, which is an important clue and means that they survived the flood Mm. when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. So that's where they get the idea. I feel like she yeah, pulled everything from that line okay. of like they're fallen angels, they're interested in human women, and they're reproducing with them.
1: Yeah, I was also just like kind of confused by... The Nephilim, like, they're I like f-
0: vampires. I said that to Madeline. <laughs> yeah, like, this is a
1: vampire Bible and story. Honestly, I was just like, why are they, why do they care about humans? Like, why? Well, they're are trapped. They, are they not beyond this? Yeah, but they don't have to be around humans. They can just go do whatever they want go swim with dolphins. But ladies are hot. Yeah, I guess that's the, the thesis statement. The there.
0: Nephilim are desiring of pleasures you know and it seems like physical pleasures specifically um yeah so 12 of them are at this oasis and they're having a grand old time there's not that many of them i just
1: yeah. i don't even know how That's they could like really possibly not many bring down
0: this society especially when the seraphim are there thwarting their every move mm-hmm. um yeah. so yes i agree with you i don't think it was time for everyone to go um also no this was something i liked that langle did that noah isn't like that amazing yeah, of a guy he's just
1: like a hey, dude he
0: he seems pretty regular and he's proud and spiteful and feuding mm-hmm. with his dad um and uh he has like some sons that aren't that great <laughs>
1: some sons some. that are ham is it ham it's ham. is awful it's throw ham in the garbage pit i think
0: she i think she mixed up the names but one of noah's sons after the flood um there's like this really weird passage where noah gets drunk and he's naked and one of the sons like (laughs) sees him and goes and tells everyone but the other sons like shield their eyes and cover him and then because the one (laughs) son did that noah's like let him be a slave to my other sons
1: he is scum i can't with the bible i can't it's a it's a real love-hate relationship here oh, love the sexy stuff <laughs> <laughs> hate everything else <laughs> i
0: really want a blurb from you on like the next edition
1: also to be like globally Jesus was, distributed was a pretty nice guy most of the time like he <laughs> like he had some pretty good ideas that's there we go <laughs> what saying so okay love hate that's sexy what I'm stuff
0: bad stuff jesus is all right
1: yeah that's okay. what i take okay i'll take that god is not a nice person though no at all in any way shape and or form. this leads
0: me into another important point so madeline langle has always been a
1: controversial figure because that's what i was like who the, the church would not be into this no, <laughs> like I, that's what I was kind of feel like. Who is this for? No, and
0: something. This is probably one reason why I'm feeling like she wasn't like she did leave it vague about even what happens to everyone when the flood comes and yeah. how global mm-hmm. it is. Um, so she was an Episcopalian. Um, hang on, I'm pulling up my. Uh, but she believed in universal salvation. Which is something that a lot of Christians do not like because you got to be Christian enough to Mm. be saved, and universal salvation isn't even you have to be Christian to be saved. It's you don't even have you don't have to be Christian, and you don't have to be good. Like you can be a super sinner and you will be saved. Mm. And I feel like that doctrine is really present throughout her works like okay well that's there good is to know. hope but that, for
1: everyone but that doctrine is completely at odds with like the story of the flood
0: right that's why i feel like it's fascinating that she decided to make a version of it and that's why oh, okay Sorry.
1: that's that's helpful to know and
0: that's why i i like yalith rising to the stars instead of being trapped on a boat for in the bible they're in that boat for a year <laughs> before they can get off it rains for 40 days, but it is many more months before it's safe for them to leave. Um, so and, holy
1: Obama has her baby on the boat. And
0: also then in the Bible, all of Noah's kids and their kids have to create more kids yes. among themselves. Incest. Yeah. So
1: I don't want y'all anywhere near any of that. Oh, God. I just feel bad for whoever has to have sex with ham. <laughs> I mean the guy's name is Ham it's so bad. <laughs> Ham is the worst. Um yeah,
0: so she's always been like banned by a lot of Christian bookstores and schools and libraries. <laughs> but then a lot of secular critics say that her work is too religious. Like Madeline. <laughs> like Madeline. <laughs> Madeline is a secular critic <laughs> saying that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't know. I just I think as I grow older, I'm able to see what she does less as religious, even as just more spiritual in a way that I can really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the concept of like looking to the stars and listening to the stars and all that that means Mm -hmm. and includes is something that's super appealing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I was pretty transported by some of the passages in this book, even though on the next page, Sandy would be like, "Tigla is what we would call an
1: easy lay, (laughs) which
0: Holy cow. I can was I got, got real was, upset.
1: Oh I got God. real upset at that. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Oh, I don't have driver's license <laughs> Then whipping out about this, like, full-grown woman. Like, she's an easy lay. I guess Like was, I guess shut probably... shut up. Sit down. Oh, uh, yeah. No, you're...
0: <laughs> maybe it was Dennis who said it because Sandy <sighs> is more seduced by her, but... Yeah, yeah Tigla is such a bad character. Yeah. I'm really... I don't understand why... She got the treatment that she did. Just woman I, who I, wants sex I, will like I really went over in the process. I really felt bad for her, I honestly. I felt bad for her, too. Yeah. I felt bad for her, too. She was clearly raised in an abusive environment. Yeah. So, of course, she's more susceptible to being with a nuffle, which also, though, it doesn't sound horrible. I mean, there are worse people to be married to in the Oasis.
1: Like him,
0: Like ham. <laughs> 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 ham. <laughs> ham bashing <laughs> What this episode's gonna be named
1: I mean if you've read this book there's literally like a whole scene where he's like super hungover and he's just being like, uh, like call me Wash a unicorn. my face, like make it not hurt feed me grapes and then Dennis shows up dying and looking like Anakin after he falls into the lava in Revenge of the Sith and it, Ham is still just like no, unicorn help me.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Okay, I think we should get into our <laughs> our standard segments. So this is okay, this is something we haven't covered explicitly in a while. We've discussed it, but I wanna really wholeheartedly take a quick look.
1: Okay. Is this YA? <laughs> I have no idea what this book is. What is this book? <laughs> I don't know. What is it? I'm I'm confounded by this book. I was confounded as a child. I, I remain confounded due to my like, I have so many different feelings about this book ranging from yeah. like to dislike and everything mm. in between.
0: I think I could have read it a few years
1: later the first time but I also
0: don't think it hurt me to no, read at the age that I did I don't did. think so and yeah. when I was saying that it was formative for me I'm not saying that in a bad way yeah. like, like I said I do think this book has some good messages I do worry about what you're talking about that like young readers might not be able to pick up on some of the more nuanced explorations of this story yeah. Um. and yeah instead see it as like slut bad god good slut <laughs> <laughs>
1: i just bumper sticker
0: (laughs) i was yeah i i just don't even i can't say it enough times tigla is a disaster character she's so clearly one of those like really outdated like women hate women characters it's just really really bad Yeah, yeah really bad um I wish I could find an interview with Madeline Langle talking about Tigla. But did you sadly, look for one? No, I did uh, try to look up her name, but Google I really must be people confused. Weren't, by people weren't People are not talking about her out there. There are a few good pieces of criticism about Many Waters that all link on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, really Tigla is not mentioned. And I found that so strange. Probably because people are like, oops, this shouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Brush, brush, brush. On the, on the other hand, it feels like a different level of appropriateness than the rest of the time quintet, which is yeah. all more theoretical. I will say that like all of Madeline Langle's books are pretty sensual. Yeah. Like I've always mm-hmm. gotten that feel from that them. vibe. Um, yeah. But this one is a bit more explicit, which makes sense for the content um, yeah. and the setting. Uh, but yeah, maybe it's best for like 12 and up. <laughs> or for 32 and 29 year olds. <laughs> Grace recommends. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I do. Up. Yeah, I definitely. Even though we've been divisive about um, some of our feelings, I do think that this is a book that you should reread or read for the first time if you haven't. Yeah, if, if you I you don't, like Madeline Langle, It's definitely worth your time, even though Sandy and Dennis are boring. Suck, they're duds.
1: Yeah, and it's not. It's definitely not a book that I have ever regretted um, visiting you
0: know what you are gonna like
1: animals animals
0: just like animals Animals, okay so (laughs) there i really liked the portrayal of each of the mythical characters that was in here they're fun um i love that the unicorns are they're not like idealized and fetishized in the way that a lot of unicorns are
1: um they're more of like energy they're very spiritual they're
0: like exactly they're they're like a spiritual tool yeah um rather than yeah something that people w- are like worshipping and putting up on a pedestal and I like how they're really accessible to the everyman you know yeah <laughs> yeah if you need a
1: unicorn as long as you, you don't have your driver's license <laughs> Oh, my
0: God. I want to use that as a euphemism for the rest of my life. Like probably will. Do they have their driver's license? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. As long as you don't have a driver's license and you need a mammoth or... A seraphim. And mammoths, I couldn't tell if they were like a marker of class in this society. Um, because Tigos kind of families like
1: each had one. Had it seems like everyone had one. Yeah, you just get like one mammoth per unit. <laughs> yeah. And you have
0: to keep watch over them or the manticore will eat them because the manticore is
1: hungry. <laughs> the manticore is horrifying. I love the Yeah, manticore. the manticore was great.
0: Also, another phrase for, that I thought of reading this book that I want to use, deus ex manticore, because every
1: time <laughs> something's going down... <laughs> you are totally right.
0: The manticore, Suddenly the manticore prowls is there. through and messes it all up yeah. and is like, cut it out hungry. Yeah. I'm hungry. And yeah, the manticore is sad. i mean, kind of similar yeah. to the griffin who's also alone, yeah. like just making sure that boys don't
1: have sex. So maybe it's good that they will drown. <laughs>
0: hmm. Impossible to say. Um are and there, then are
1: there any hoofed mammals in this? Were there camels? camels? Were there camels? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you you don't know, remember?
1: Oh, I the do. riveting scene. The camel of, chase
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I remember. Yeah, just anything
1: involving Sandy and Dennis, I just want to make fun of. Um but yeah, there are camels. Um, I liked the animal versions of the Seraphim and Nephilim. Yeah, that I was liked really cool. I mosquito a lot because he's just Ruffical. always around being a jerk.
0: <laughs> buzz, buzz, buzzing. <laughs> um, or I guess whine, whine, whining. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I liked that too. I liked the collection of creatures that were chosen and I liked seeing the theme of like good creatures versus bad creatures because yeah, really I'm liked... always fascinated by that connotation.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I, it was interesting to me that the... scarab beetle was a good guy Mm -hmm. um and also like a pelican (laughs) yeah there were some like
0: the scarab beetle was making me think of like egyptian mythology um but the the pelican was so funny and i liked all the um lines of just comments from sandy and dennis about how weird it was to have a pelican just chilling in the middle of the desert and how it was kind of silly and surreal some of the animal forms that they took on um the lion was cool yeah, the lion was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, although the, the neck easy to disguise your lizard body as, apparently, I suppose. And then we've talked quite a bit about the tiny mammoths already, <laughs> um, which are just a real puzzle. I don't know why they're in this
1: book. so strange,
0: uh, but adorable. Mammoths were not desert animals. They're 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 taking on like almost Ewok type. Connotations like they're yeah. there to snuggle and nuzzle, but then they're also like powerful. It's just
1: really funny that she didn't just be have like to be protected. They're like little elephants. Mm-hmm. Because that would have made so much more sense. But no. Ice age creatures. Yeah, I don't
0: and <laughs> tiny. I don't,
1: yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird.
0: Uh yeah, wrong time, wrong, wrong place. place. <laughs> but they're Sandy and Dennis are in the wrong time, and the wrong place. So oh, maybe that's why they're there. You know when it's Tampa. Pretend food. Pretend, Pret- food. pretend food. Pretend are food, our favorite part of any book. Um, I did mention earlier that the precipitating event in the entire book is some Dutch cocoa that's bubbling away in Mrs. Murray's lab. Um, I I love that lab. It always really appeals to me that it's like this old um, farm building and has like stone uh, counters and there's always like stews and cocoa heating up in there. And I guess I just want a lab, even though I'm not a scientist, but I could work out there. Sounds pretty nice. Um, <laughs> but would you leave the hot cocoa on? Well, maybe. Probably. if I had four children. My god. yes, yeah, it's <laughs> it's probably only. a lot of children's <laughs> Um, and I also love the hearty sandwich making at the beginning of the yeah. book. That's one thing I do appreciate from yeah. Sandy and Dennis. They're hungry boys. The boys know how to
1: make a sandwich. Gotta
0: make a sandwich for my hungry guys. Uh, but then we, we move out of our modern times and we get a whole lot of lot of stews rotten and fresh Um, what's it called the the pottage pottage is the lentil dish that actually sounds delicious i would really
1: like some pottage with some like Mm -hmm. thick crusty brown bread oh yeah and some cottage cheese that sounds amazing yeah yeah i could really go for a bowl of lentils (laughs) call nick tell him to make pottage (laughs) (laughs) to the pottage pot um he's gonna be
0: like are you okay (laughs) and there are i i felt like this was another sign of like sinfulness the gluttony of people having excessive wedding feasts which is mentioned a few times in the book and i was like
1: okay how dare people you people live well in this
0: book for hundreds of years you get maybe one or two feasts in your life like can you just let it happen yeah seems appropriate Anyway, when I get married, I'm going to have an excessive wedding feast. Mark my words.
1: I'm going to eat all of the cake.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) Sounds horrible
1: for all of us. And for you. Well, if you just make me a version of the cake that's more frosting and less cake, and it's very small compared to the large cake. I'm not doing this. (laughs) Okay, I will bring, I'll just bring a tub of cookie dough to your wedding what I eat there
0: whatever <laughs> whatever you want so it's, it's we're open I'm just gonna sit in my chair spooning the cookie dough we're out out my mouth the whole time
1: out on the dance floor with my cookie dough
0: we're not having a
1: dance floor you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay. Um, then we also have some pre-arc feasts when everyone's like, "Oh God, we're going to be trapped with these bozos for God knows how long." Well, L does know how long, um, which makes it all the crueler. Yeah. And uh, not enough water. That's my no, pretend like, food conclusion. Yeah, um, no, they drink wine. Every time someone's cleaning something with sand, it made me... Viscerally uncomfortable. Think about the next bite of food that's coming out of that dish and just how much sand will be in it. I And you have the sensory thing. Yeah. Don't like we don't sand. have to talk about that. I hate <laughs> sand. I hate sand. Name that movie. So, Badass Lady Meter, let's bring this puppy home
1: you ready <laughs> yeah i i am ready and my badass lady is gonna be matron for putting up with all this crap because Montred. matred. Matron. Matred. Okay, I thought you audio, called her Matron. Which is <laughs> what I like, thought her name a was. Name <laughs> and then I realized it's Matrid. Yeah, see, I literally thought her name okay, was Matron. That would be bad. That's why <laughs> she's my badass lady. That's why I don't like audiobooks. Because she's like mostly off page. She has to raise this whole family herself. She's married to Noah. She has a lot of work to do. Kind of a schmuck. Yeah. She's got to take care of ham. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And she just, like, I just can tell that she has a lot of responsibility and little uh, reward.
0: She helps make all the wine that everyone's drinking instead of water. And can you imagine only having wine to drink? Do you know how bad you would feel every single day?
1: You'd feel as bad as ham. As bad
0: as ham. (laughs) That's how bad. Um,
1: Great. So, yeah. And I rate her uh, Matrid, That's how you pronounce it. Matrid, Deserving of a constellation as well.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, my petest lady has to be Tigla because she was done dirty in yeah. this book. And I know there's more to her than her body seemingly just being drawn to every male body in her vicinity. Um, and I I do just I feel sad for her in her life and I I know she's gonna get flooded but I hope that she goes with peace and my baddest lady meter rating for her is a tube of lipstick so that she doesn't have to crush berries all over her lips and she can have an easy peasy way to put on a face yeah yeah get that woman some modern makeup that's right Okay, so um, I think that's it. This is going to be a long one. Um, if you've stuck with us this far, thank you. Good job. We appreciate you. Here's your Easter egg. Here's your Easter egg, which is us announcing us, us announcing our next book that we're going to cover, which is going to be The Queen of Atolia by Megan Whelan Turner. Follow up to The Thief. We're very excited yeah, about I'm that. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, and yeah thanks for listening thanks for writing in we've gotten a lot of awesome comments and listener emails and tweets and recommendations. lately great recommendations yeah, we appreciate we really all of them appreciate that. sometimes I'm slow responding to them so I'm sorry about that but I will um, and if you'd like to follow us to leave your own recommendations you can find our website at dragonbabiespodcast.com or Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast.com our Twitter at dragonbabiespod, and you can just email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com if you would like.
1: Thanks. Thank you. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time, goodbye.